So we spoke at Rosh Hashanah about Unatana Tokif, about the things that are beyond our control and the things that are within our control. And that these yamim noraim, these days of awe, are about waking us up to shake us out of our complacency and to bring us into a greater sense of what it is that we know we can and should be contributing both at home, where we engage in the public space, and where we engage as citizens, where we engage as citizens of this world. So Unatana Tokef, we went through uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, the categories of all of those things that are both beyond our control uh, and within our control. And at the end of Unatana Tokef, the way we close that whole prayer is that we recite and we chant and the choir recites so beautifully for us, Utshuva, Utfila, Utstaka. Ma'avirin et roa hagazera, but but the vav that can be and or but. In this case, we go through all of the things that could befall us, and we talked about all of the ways that we have no control over some of them and some control over some of them. Uchuva, but teshuva, utefila, but prayer, utsedaka, but tedaka. Ma'avirin cancels, lessens, makes not so awful. Roa, the evil, hagazera of the decree. You'll often hear averts the evil decree. That's not the Hebrew people. The Hebrew says these things, tshuva, tfila, tzedakah, ma'avirin et roa hagazera. They interfere with, in a good way, the roa, the evil, the badness, the suffering, the awfulness of the decree. And I've preached in prior years. What's the decree? The decree is that we're human. The decree is that stuff's going to happen. You understand the translation. Stuff's gonna happen. Really hard stuff is gonna happen. That's the gazera, because we're human. So we talked about some of the ways we can mitigate some of those categories, but really, tshuva, tfilitz, daka, what does that mean to us? As modern day Jews, progressive Jews, what does that mean for us? Liberal Jews, not in a political sense, like in the Wherever Mark Schinderman is, wave your hand. We're, we're talking about in terms of religious, religious experience. We are not people who are fundamentalists. We are not people who look to someone else to decree something for us. And that's what's going to be for us. Some things we know because the gazera, the decree is that we're human. We won't have any say over it. But the rabbis tell us, our tradition tell us, uchuva, utfila, utstaka. So what does that mean? Chuva. What is chuva really? What is repentance really? As some of you know, what I love most is not giving speeches. It's not about giving big talks. Although it might sound like that a couple times a year. Like what I really love most is learning with y'all. On Friday morning, what I love is learning with y'all on a Thursday night, on a Tuesday night when you're so tired and you come anyway. 
So I'm going to give you a couple of other teachers quotes about these ideas and preach a little about what I think about that. Tshuva. What's tshuva? Repentance. So uh, Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen writes, a medical colleague describing his own experience of staying true to himself told me that he thinks of his life as an orchestra. Reclaiming his integrity reminds him of that moment before the concert begins when the concert master asks the oboist to sound an A. At first, there's chaos and noise as all the parts of the orchestra try to align themselves with that note. But as each instrument moves closer and closer to it, the noise diminishes And when they all finally sounded together, there was a moment of rest, of homecoming. Somewhere deep inside, there is a sound that is mine alone. And I struggle daily to hear it and tune my life to it. That's tshuva. Tshuva is not something beyond us. Repentance is not something beyond us. It's not a course you have to go to. It's not a regimen someone's going to give you. It's the oboe of your orchestra sounding an A. And then trying to get all the other crazy parts of ourselves. The choir of our, what Rabbi Shepha Gold calls the inner parliament. Getting the rest of them to play an A. And you know when you're sounding an A, you know it because everything aligns. And sometimes it's really hard to get all the other parts to agree to get the sax finally to get in line and like tune to that A. That's tshuva, returning to that A that we all hear within when we're quiet enough and nourished enough and fed enough to hear it clearly. Rabbi Arthur Green says, the God of judgment that we talk about on this Rosh Hashanah holiday, really, what's that about for him and his theology? It stands for conscience. Rosh Hashanah becomes a time for self-examination and commitment to growth and change of habits. The essential statement of faith is that we are capable of change. God calls upon us symbolically through the season, but actually at all times, to be the best human beings morally and spiritually that we can be. This demands of us a constant openness to change and growth. We get stuck, don't we? I see at least two physical terrorists here. Are there other ones? I see Gail. Like, and isn't my physical terrorist here? Isn't she here? Oh, there she is, Becky. Yeah, so people who do physical therapy, yeah, they know. We get stuck. We get really stuck. And where do we get most stuck? in the negative garbage, that awfulness. And then we literally can't move. We can't move. 
They help us move because they free up that stuff, but they do so with this incredible loving intention and energy and commitment to wellness and wholeness that we go to so many people if we're lucky enough to find them to help us heal. Arthur Green is saying, Rabbi Arthur Green is saying, can we stay open to the possibility of moving that stuff differently? Rabbi Karyolitsky says, because the world is a different place each moment I am alive, there is unlimited potential for change. Which means we have to take a little bit of responsibility, don't we? I'm just stiff. I just can't do it anymore. This is just how I like it. This is how I do it. I don't even want to know from something else. It's really easy to get set. Chuva is about saying we can't get set. We can't stop. We have to pivot. We have to move. To return. To turn. means you have to move. I passed a church bulletin, says Rabbi Shammai Cantor, that carried the message... If you are headed in the wrong direction, God allows U-turns. That is a perfectly good translation of our term teshuva, which literally means turning around. Perhaps in English congregations, in English-speaking congregations, we should mispronounce the prayer on purpose, purpose the unitana tokef. See what he did there with the... You, okay, the U-turn, Unitana. Thank you, Michael. Yes, thank you. Utsadaka. What do we usually translate tzedakah as? Charity. Is that what tzedakah means? No. No and no. Charity is an English word and it comes from Latin. Which, what is the root of charity? Caritas. A movement of the heart, which is a beautiful and wonderful, amazing and important thing. Caritas, the movement of the heart that leads one to give because one feels a sense of need to give. That we, we would call maybe chesed in our tradition, loving kindness. Tzedakah is something different. What does tzedakah come from? It comes from tzedek. And what does tzedek mean? Justice. Justice. You shall act justly you will do it not because you're so moved to do it or because you feel good about it you don't have to feel good about writing a check (laughs) in our tradition frankly it should hurt a little (laughs) tomorrow you're gonna hurt you're gonna be hungry and hopefully that's gonna mean that you're gonna bring more food to help feed the hungry in our community who don't get a choice about feeling that pain, whose kids don't get a choice about feeling that pain. Tzedakah is not charity. Tzedakah is justice. Tzedakah is righteousness. You shall live and act like a tzaddik, say the rabbis. You shall act like a tzaddik, like a righteous person. And what does that call from me right now at any given moment? That's tzedakah. You don't think these things can change the course of our year, the course of our lives, say the rabbis? Pay attention. Tshuva, turning around. A big U-turn from how we do some things. The way we're stuck. We are called an Am Sheoref. You know what that is in Hebrew? The stiff-necked people. What? 
in the South, that means something else. But in this, in right now, when we talk about a stiff naked people, what does that mean? It means you can't see. You can't see what's to the right, what's to the left. You certainly can't see what's behind you. So how could you possibly learn from that? If you're stiff naked, you are only looking one direction. We have to be able to move. That's tshuva, tzedakah. We have to act righteously. We have to be people who are ready to be tzaddikim. However difficult that is in any given moment, whether about speech or about anything else we're engaged in. The late Lubavitcher Rebbe said, a container is defined by its contents. A pitcher of water is water. A crate of apples is apples. A house too is defined by what it contains. Fill your house with books of Torah and your house becomes a Torah. Affix tzedakah boxes to its walls and your house becomes a wellspring of charity. Bring those who need a warm home to your table and your house becomes a lamp in the darkness. That's what it means to be tzedakim. What are we filling our homes with? What is it filled with? Our places of work, what is it filled with? Purpose, meaning, value, ethics? What are the conversations that we have with our friends? Those spaces, what, what is that filled with? Are we ready to do what tzedakah calls from us? Being a righteous person calls from us? Danny Siegel says, there's no word for chemist or physicist in Talmud. Yet, why are we so impressed with them? If at a get-together, a guest in our house says they're doing critical research in subatomic particles or cracking through the far reaches of DNA behavior, why is there such admiration for this person? And I'm speaking of good Jewish men and women. But let us suppose this Jew says, I'm a celebrator of mitzvahs. Or my occupation is zeiskeit, human sweetness. And I study the way it plays itself out among Jews. What would the reaction be? Surprise, of course, he says. A little, a mashugana must be an artist. <laughs> or unable to suppress our urge to think, we might blurt out, the cantor will correct me, fundus macht men leben. This you call a living? <laughs> we ask our children about their grades in history and literature, though rarely do we inquire about excellence in tzedakah and rachmanis, generosity and uniquely Jewish loving and giving. Tshuva, turning, tefillah, tzedakah. We've talked about two of them. Uchuva, Uzdaka. I put Tfila last. As do our sages. Be, like they in some ways get it that we have a really hard time with prayer. Y'all have a hard time with prayer. And yet you're here. Look at you. You're gorgeous. You're amazing in your willingness to be here. But we have a hard time accessing liturgy and accessing prayer, largely because we don't know how to think about or talk about or access the divine. That's really the truth. The words aren't the problem. It's our accessing a way of understanding what those words bring us to 
that make it so complicated, I think, in our time, particularly in, uh, in our kind of congregations. So one of the most amazing teachers and rabbis I've ever had the great good fortune to sit with and learn with is Rabbi Dr. Jacob Staub, who said, if you took a tape recorder to Mount Sinai, there was an encounter with the divine at Sinai. This people, y'all, were at Sinai and something happened there. But if you took a tape recorder there and hit record from the moment the whole thing started till it ended, all you'd have on the tape is the human side of that conversation. That's what Torah is. That's what our liturgy is. That's what that whole, this whole business that we're doing up here is. It's about the human side of the conversation with the endless, the timeless, the mysterious, the no way we could touch or know anything about it other than to love something animated by it. Like a puppy. Oh, I was going to say a goldfish, but I don't really think that works. But something that the divine animates in loving that, you know something of what it is to love the divine and have it love you back. That's the gorgeousness we're talking about. That's the mystery we're talking about, the awareness that we're alive and have this potential to do this one tiny, amazing, as Mary Oliver, a blessed memory said, to do this amazing one shot at gorgeousness that is your precious life. Tefillah, what does it mean? Prayer. Relating to the divine, Rabbi Jacob Staub says, on good days, my life is permeated by God's presence. I open my eyes in the morning and am in awe of the light of the morning sun. Kissing my spouse and children goodbye, I am overcome with the way our very imperfect family generates love and joy among us. Solving a difficult challenge on the job, I take a breath and notice the constructive healing processes I have harnessed. I don't believe that God decided to cause the sun to rise this morning. I don't believe God watches over my children and makes them mature. I don't believe God solves my work problems. But I do believe I live in a world that God underlies and suffuses I do believe that I do not generate my virtuous deeds and insights independently, but rather am connected to a greater source of strength and blessing with whom I am always trying to align. That's the cosmic A of the oboe. Constantly trying, trying to align ourselves with that cosmic sounding of A, of holiness. So why do we pray? If we don't believe in a God who hears prayers and is going to answer prayers, why do we pray? Rabbi Jacob Staub has, a few, Staub has a few suggestions about what you might experience over the next 24 hours. So listen up. It's a menu for you. A Chinese menu. All right. Spiritual discipline. Why is that a good thing to have? Why is spiritual discipline a good thing to have? Because we miss the holy all the time. We miss opportunities for understanding the holy all the time. Most of us go through the day, says Staub, without experiencing God's presence. A spiritual sense is a faculty that must be developed and maintained. 
Focusing regularly on our sacred encounters helps us to notice them as they occur. So just being willing to focus on them, to say a little bracha, you don't even have to know Hebrew. Blessed are you God who makes this crazy amazing thing happen in front of me. That's cultivating our awareness of the spiritual in our lives. If we're not careful, says Staub, it is pretty easy to become isolated in our world today. Even if we interact frequently with others, our daily lives rarely afford many opportunities to let our guards down and express what is really important to us. It is a real treat to be connected to a group, all of whom are seeking together. Look around this theater. Look on this stage. Look how many people were willing to give of their time to come to rehearsals, to give up time when they could have been doing something else, to come together, to become a sacred choir. These folks used to sing on the steps of the temple. That's what the Israelites got. That's why they came, was in part for the music of the folks stepped out, literally stepped out. People who dedicate their time and talents People who are willing to help lead the Jewish people. Not an easy task on a good day. Being with people who are aligned, who are doing the same thing, is part of what it means to be part of a spiritual community. We rededicate ourselves as we go through the prayer book to principles, to morals and values that have come through the generations to us. I will close with the first part of a poem by Rabbi Maggie Wenning. I will use the second part of it tomorrow. God is such a distant idea for us. The divine is like such a crazy thing to try to reach to. So we can reach through other things for it. We can reach through each other to touch it. We can look to our ancestors to give us metaphors that help us access it. But Rabbi Maggie Wenig envisions God as a woman, a woman growing older. She says, God is a woman and she is growing older. She moves more slowly now. She cannot stand erect. Her face is lined, her voice is scratchy. Sometimes she has to strain to hear. God is a woman, and she is growing older, yet she remembers everything. On Rosh Hashanah, the anniversary of the day on which she gave us birth, God sits down at her kitchen table, opens the book of memories, begins turning the pages, and God remembers. There, There is the world when it was new and my children when they were young. As she turns each page, she smiles, seeing before her like so many dolls in a department store window, all the beautiful colors of our skin, the varied shapes and sizes of our bodies. She marvels at our accomplishments, the music we have written, the gardens we have planted, the stories we have told, the ideas we have spun. Then there are pages she would rather skip, things she wishes she could forget, 
but they stare her in the face and she cannot help but remember her children spoiling the home she created for us, brothers putting each other in chains. She remembers seeing us racing down dangerous roads, herself unable to stop us. She remembers the dreams she had for us, dreams we never fulfilled. And she remembers the names, so many names inscribed in the book, names of all the children she has lost through war and famine, earthquake and accident, disease and suicide. And God remembers the many times she sat by a bedside weeping that she could not halt the process she herself set into motion. On Yom Kippur, God lights candles, one for each of her children, millions of candles lighting up the night, making it bright as day. Come home, she wants to say to us. Come home. But she won't call, for she's afraid that we will say no. She can anticipate the conversation. We're so busy. We'd love to see you, but we just can't come. There's too much to do. At these yamim noraim, at these days of awe, we're invited to return to the kitchen table. We're invited to stop the distractions, to pay attention to what is most precious to us, to this miraculous, short, and amazing time we're given to be alive. We are given the time to come home to the kitchen table, to celebrate love, beauty, tenderness, laughter, tears, music, friendship, renewal. My friends, I'm so glad we're here tonight. And I hope we have again tomorrow and the day after to be together to do exactly that. Chag Sameach.